0: My guest on this episode of the Courage of a Leader podcast is Kim Adele Randall. Kim Adele is an inspiring, people-focused leader, consultant, author, and speaker. You'll appreciate the way she thinks about and approaches difficult situations with others. Her authenticity and practical transformative guidance permeates this episode. I'm excited to share it with all of you. Welcome to the Courage of a Leader podcast. This is where you hear real life stories of top leaders achieving extraordinary results and you get practical advice and techniques you can immediately apply for your own success. This is where you will get inspired and take bold, courageous action. I'm so glad you can join us. I'm your host, Amy Riley. Now, are you ready to step into the full power of your leadership and achieve the results you care about most? Let's ignite the courage of a leader. Hi, Kim Adele. Thank you for being with me today. Hi, Amy. How are you? Yeah, doing great. And I'm excited for our conversation. Uh, There are a number of things that you and I could talk about leadership-related, and I'm excited about the entree that we have into this conversation. We often learn a lot from the most challenging situations that we face as a leader, and you've definitely had a challenging uh, situation when you needed to lead a redundancy. Or reduction in force uh, at your organization. So you and I are going to talk about that and extract some of the leadership lessons learned that you took away from that. So first of all, just tell us what was what was the situation?
1: Yes, yeah, so it was it was it was a really interesting role. So I actually went in. Uh, it was eight days after they'd been given the largest fine in UK history from the regulator, and uh, they were. They've been put under a, a VVOP, which in the UK is a, it's a regulatory restriction. Oh. Uh, they call it a voluntary variation of permissions, but it's not voluntary at all. It means you're not allowed to do something. So they've been stopped from selling. The regulator was very frustrated with them. It was in financial services, so you, you have to be really clean. Um, at the time, we were, the, the organisation was all over the press um, for this mis-selling and mm-hmm. the of consumer's The board were very, very uncomfortable about making any staff cuts, any cost reductions. But when you're an organization that's no longer allowed to sell anything, you very quickly have to make some difficult and more challenging conversations. So I had a really interesting role in that one of the first things I had to do was convince the board that it was the right thing to Uh do to run a redundancy program. And then the second thing I had to do was run the redundancy program. Um, And if anyone's ever had to to run a redundancy program, you don't run those lightly. You know, if there's any alternative, you do the alternative first. But I guess my number one lesson that I learned is as a leader, our job is to save as many roles as we possibly can. Our Uh job is to many jobs as possible. In that particular situation, I was in a place where the only way to save as many jobs as I could was to cut as many jobs that were needed because the alternative was that we would go to the wire and everybody would lose their jobs. Um, and that's a really hard place to be. Yeah. But I think the other thing that that I kind of learned in, in there is as, as a leader, When you're faced with something like that, when you're faced with running a redundancy program, it's really hard for a number of reasons. Um, One of them is there's a level of shame. There's a level of shame that actually you didn't lead it better. Mm. Lead it in such a way that this wasn't a requirement. Now, there can be so many factors that get taken into moving an organization into that space. But as the leader, you still feel uncomfortable. And one of the things I've therefore seen, sadly I've run seven of these now for organizations, is that because you feel a bit uncomfortable and the other thing you know is no one's going to be happy, I mean, nobody goes redundancy, yay. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Not not those being
0: let go, not those staying on, right? It It doesn't feel good for anyone
1: impacts everybody and so what what tends to happen is you feel a bit guilty there's a level of shame and you know your message isn't going to go down well mm-hmm. and therefore what happens is you go on the defense mm-hmm. um because you try and protect yourself and therefore your language and your tone and your whole demeanor actually makes the people feel that it's something that they've done wrong Mm-hmm. Oh. and i think that's i remember standing up in front of the people on the first day and saying to them the first thing i need you to understand is it's not about you mm-hmm. and let me explain what i mean by that it's happening to you you're impacted it is going to pay where we're going but the reason I say it's not about you is it's not because you're not an amazing person. It's not because I wouldn't would love you to the rest of your life. It's because, quite frankly, I couldn't lead us to a better outcome. And for that, I'm genuinely sorry. And the reason I need you to know it's not about you is if not, you will carry this into your future and you will make it about you and it will become a self-fulfilling prophecy.
0: Ooh, um, an important message there, Kim Adele. Uh, I mean, you've already pointed out some really critical considerations in a situation like this. I mean, first of all, I know that you focus on the importance of people, right? That people are everything. Right? And then, you know, therefore someone might think, well, then save everybody that you can, right? But really saving everybody that you can does mean that you're releasing some people from their roles, in order to keep it healthy um, for the maximum number of people that you can. And then you brought, up, yeah, you brought up a really good point about leaders who are involved in making decisions like this or delivering messages like this, that we need to be aware of shame or guilt or such feelings that could be impacting how we show up. In our demeanor, like I often call it our our being, right? In our being and in our doing, like what we're saying. And are we watching our language so that it's not all on the defense and setting us up to have this positional conversation rather than this lovely conversation that you're talking about and this important message that, hey, this isn't about you. Get it, it impacts you right? But it's not about you. The decision wasn't made based on A, B, C, D, E, F, G
1: things that you did. And the other thing that I think is very often short, short-sighted in organizations that go through this is if you do a resiliency program or a restructure, it's because you expect to grow again. You expect, mm-hmm. to, you expect to be able to be back in a position for growth. To stay
0: healthy, right? We're doing this to stay healthy in this moment.
1: And to move forward. And therefore, how you manage the downsizing impacts how you'll manage the uprising. Because mm-hmm. if you do it badly, mm-hmm. when you come to grow, not only will the people that work for you in the past never want to work for you again, they have told everybody else. Yeah. So well, everybody else will want to work for you. So actually, at the point that you want to grow... Your ability to attract talent is going to be impacted. So taking the long-term view when you're having to do a, a restructure is so mm. important, which is if I manage this well, if I treat people with kindness, with respect and with honesty, mm. then actually they're going to be left with a positive feeling about how the situation was resolved. I had people hug me on the next day. and I was like, please don't hug me. It was, it was me that did this. Um, and they went, I know, but you turned up every week, every week after you know, was, we went through the 90-day consultation. You turned up and you sat with us and you listened to how we were feeling. And you, yeah. you, you took on board our message and you helped us to you know to find a way through it was a it was a standard joke that people if they see me now from back then they were like and know, facts are my friends and because that's what I used to say to them all the time facts are your friends when you're in a situation like this the human brain doesn't like gaps so when there is a gap uh-huh. in it, it create a story.
0: Yes make something up mm-hmm. Or hmm
1: always, always always much more fascinating than the reality really is. So people would be there and they'd be like, you know, and it's because of this, it's because we're not there yet. Don't cross a bridge we've not come to. We're in a consultation. Here's where we are. Facts be what happens. Facts are your friend at this moment. And you talk to us because that's going to be when we can say, we don't have that piece of information. So I can't share it with you because I don't have it. Um and an additional challenge that I had in the organization that that I first did this for was we were public listed. And Which? the challenge that that brings is, as a point of law, you have to tell the market before you tell the people. Oh, okay. Um, um, You put your people at risk of insider trading. Um, okay. So you can't do it, But one, it breaks the law, but the law's there to protect the people. Okay be accused of insider trading if they didn't know. Yeah. And therefore you've got that additional bullshit which is I'm going to tell the market at 7.30 in the morning and then I'm going to tell the people at 7.40. Okay. And even even really experienced people that I was dealing with in that organization, including people in, in kind of like... And um, legal or compliance type roles were like, yeah, but can you can tell me first. I was like, I can't. <laughs> I can't tell any of you. But there's a process, and it. it's not because I'm being mean or because you know, I'm being that child that wants the last piece of the jigsaw. I'm keeping you safe. Yes. Um, and that's my job. My job is to keep you safe and to hold your hand as we move across the challenge and help you to the other side, wherever that other side ends up being whether that is still with us or whether it's you know whether it's somewhere else, it's my job to to keep you safe. Yeah um, keep you grounded. And I think it was a it, it was a real um lesson uh, for me in seeing how people were able to adapt to that situation. And mm-hmm. I remember after I finished it kind of you telling people what was going to happen. I had one lady at the back who started, uh, to to use an English term, started effing and jeffing. So they were swearing quite a lot and pointing. Um, and and they were saying about you know how they felt. Whilst I can see that is how it must feel, I promise you that's not what happened and let's talk about it. And I remember later on that, t- she came up to me and she said, I'm really sorry. I said, please don't apologise. I, I said, I delivered a really, really tough message that you have to live with.
0: Uh-huh. just
1: responded emotionally to how it made you feel. You were angry and you had every right to be angry. You're going to leave here today and you've got to go home and tell your family that you don't know how you're going to pay the bills. You don't know what that's going to look like. You don't know whether or not you're going to have a job or you're not going to have a job. I said, yeah. I can't begin to imagine what you must be going through. Mm. Please don't waste one second worrying about the fact that you that you swore at me it's like it's expected it's not a nice message yeah that's
0: that's lovely Pima you talked about the shame that the leader might feel that oh how did I lead us to a place where we need to do this reduction in force have this redundancy and now you're talking about some things that you used to help them that those being let go, not go into shame, right? Taking that longer term view, keep indexing on facts on your friends and g- giving the facts as, as, as soon as you can. Expect that there's going to be emotion and be able to be with that emotion. And I hear you expressing empathy. Oh,
1: thank you. And Amy, um, yeah. that's a great point, which is being comfortable with emotion and I remember the night before doing a a different uh, redundancy program uh, for a different organization and I went sat with the board and they said Kim are we ready I said we're as ready as we're ever going to be and Uh and they like they (laughs) looked at me wide-eyed and went should we postpone and I went no no let me explain what I mean I've planned for everything I possibly can plan for with the exception of we're tomorrow going to tell 1800 people that their job is at risk. I have no idea what's going on in all 1800 people's lives, nor could I ever know. Yeah. I know what this piece of information, when added to whatever burden they're already carrying is going to do for them. All I can do is hold the space for them and be there while they deal with it. I said, so once we get comfortable that we're not going to have dotted every I and crossed every T, Um, because as soon as you put people into the mix, they come with their own plot twist. So you've just be able to be comfortable with the plot twist and go, okay, this is the hand that you've dealt me. I'm going to have
0: some follow up questions on that, Kim Adele. But first, let me tell listeners more about you. Kim Adele Randall is a renowned business consultant, international best-selling author, inspirational keynote and TEDx speaker, and a proud mom. Coupling 25 years in the corporate world with lessons she has garnered throughout her journey. Kimadel helps others achieve sustainable transformation for professional and personal success. She's currently writing the forthcoming book, Authentic Achievements the seven secrets to building brave belief, unstoppable sales, and turning your leaders into talent magnets for guaranteed sustainable growth. And this is based on her experience delivering those kinds of results for organizations, including Sage and Barclays Bank. I know that you have the courage of a leader. I understand that you want leaders of competence and courage in your organization. I know you're focused on attracting, inspiring and retaining top talent. So many of you requested an assessment to see where you are as a leader and where your team could be in terms of their success. So we have built for you the inspire your team assessment. You can find this assessment at courageofaleader.com slash inspire your team. There's also a link in the show notes. When you take the assessment, which will only take you about 10 minutes to complete, you'll get a customized set of recommendations about how you can build leaders of competence and courage in your organization. You'll also be helping me out. This will be absolutely free. I just ask that you tell at least one person about the value you created for yourself through the assessment process. And you'll be giving me valuable research for my next article on the courage of a leader for pillars. Thank you so much. Click on the link in the show notes to take the assessment and help me out. You will be glad you did. Kim Adele, I am glad that you're here with me today. I'm delighted to be here. I always love our um, conversations. So you are talking for about how we can prepare for as much as we can prepare for, right? And then people are going to show up and they're going to respond how they're going to respond. I often talk with leaders about Q-tip. Quit taking it personally, right? Like, that was really great what you said. Like, who knows what the burden is that they're carrying in that moment? And this is going to add something to it. And we don't know how they're going to respond. How do you hold the space for others' reactions and emotions? How do you prepare yourself for that?
1: A great question. And I love what you said. It's like quit taking it personal, because it's not about you. And you know, the thing that life's taught me in, in general from many things is that people don't hurt you on purpose. The reality is that they're dealing with their own pain. And they're not really thinking about you, you become collateral damage. So, when you realize that when you deliver a difficult message as a leader, their response is about how they're feeling, it's not about how they feel about you. So, when we, Uh and you know, if you have ever been in that situation where somebody has hurt you, you start telling them how you feel and they respond with anger because actually they're dealing with how they feel. Thanks very much. And you you just need to back off and let them deal with it in the you know in leadership it's like instead of starting to justify what we're doing so um, acknowledge what the, what they're doing and you yes. in me that you know i am a very proud one um and my little girl unfortunately um suffers occasionally with anxiety uh, and i read a book and it, and it kind of resonated with me that i've been inadvertently doing this as a leader for years without realizing that that's what i was doing is when your child's upset Our natural response is to want them to not cry Um, because we don't want our child to be upset. But what we inadvertently do is we belittle their right to feel it. first thing you have to do is go, oh, my goodness, that must be scary. Monsters under the bed. Tell me about that. How are you feeling? Okay, well, imagine that was really scary.
0: Yeah.
1: You and I check under the bed together to make sure that there are no monsters. So what you've done is validate their ability to feel the way they feel. Uh-huh. Work with them to find an alternate feeling that is going to do better. And I guess that was my lesson in leadership, which is it, yeah, validate. I can see how that I can see how that looks. Yes, I can if I were in your shoes, I can see how that might come out. It's a little bit like you you touched on on my TEDx. One of the things I talk about in, in the TEDx uh-huh. is it actually, everything that we do is in a world of polarity. So it, something doesn't exist unless the polar opposite exists. You mm. can't have a to write um because they, that's how it works. Yeah, yeah. And when we think about kind of like fear and hope, the thing that we're fearful of hasn't happened. We haven't mm. It hasn't happened yet. We've imagined it. And as leaders, we're often fearful of... Conversations going badly, it doesn't matter what it is, but we yes. will have thought a lot about you know what could go wrong, but it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, the same is true for what we're hopeful for. What we're hopeful for is also imagined. Hasn't happened, yet. Yeah. Exactly the same brain. And yet we choose to believe that what we're fearful of is more likely mm. than what we're hopeful for. So I guess one of the things I do in preparing for being able to hold the space is I will let myself go to what am I most fearful of? Okay. Fearful of the fact they're going to yell at me or they might hit me or it could be any of those things. Or they're going to get angry. What am I most hopeful for? Nice. And with our brain, you can't trick it. You can't say I'm not going to be fearful. I'm just going to be over here and be hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, I've got things to tell you. So what I found is actually be curious uh, as much as with others. So you know, what, what could go wrong? Why do I think that could go wrong? That's really interesting. So what's that making me feel? And then what could go right? Why could it go right? What's that making uh, Now what I've got is a bit of an arsenal that says, okay, I might still have an emotion thrown at me that I've not thought of. I've got all ones that I have thought of. So I'm not going in there um, almost not going in there naked. I'm not going in there with nothing to to support me. I've got some of these thoughts about that. I'd thought that it could go wrong like this. And then I'd thought about, and what would I do? What might my my response be? And also give yourself the give yourself permission cannot know all the answers we don't give ourselves often as leaders it's almost that sense of fear that if I don't have an answer then actually I'm going to lose credibility and people don't want you to necessarily always have the answer sometimes they just want to know that you're going to find it for them yeah in challenging situations being able to say and I've done it I remember standing up one particular place and they were like you know what's your thought you know what's the answer to this and i said was only on day two and i was like i can give you my opinion which i happily will share but i can't give you the answer because i don't know it so what i will do is i'll share my opinion because i'm not scared to share that Great. i'll heavily caveat it's my opinion mm-hmm. and, and i'll go away and i will find you the answer and i'll come back and um, confirm that when i've got people yeah I'll, I'll confirm I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. so, so my opinion really, wasn't. Uh, unmarked. Yeah. Yeah. Think getting into that space that says we, we sometimes think people want the problem solved. And very often people want the problem heard. Yeah. And as oh. long as you hear it, the solution can come later. Um if you try and give them an answer straight away, you're not always hearing it. And that's what
0: they will respond back with anger. Uh As we're jumping in to give an answer. I know we've been having the conversation about what you've taken away from and learned from your experience in leading a redundancy. But I think all of what you just shared for all the leaders out there listening, any difficult conversation that you're going into Consider that their response is going to be them dealing with how they feel. And we want to hold space for that. In fact, validate that because if we can validate how they're feeling. Then they actually might be able to listen further on in the conversation. If we're invalidating or immediately answering, then we might shut down their listening, escalate the negative emotion that's happening. I love this conversation to not know all the answers, right? And to be able to say like, here's what I know right now. Here's what I don't know right now. I will let you know when these, when the next pieces of information are available. And I love the prep, Kim Adele, of spend some time with the worst case. If they take off their shoe and throw it at me, right, I, right? look at the worst case, but also spend some time with the hope.
1: It's, it's, it's so important because the only thing stronger than fear is hope. Um, and so we've got to see both sides of that to go, both are likely, either one of them could happen and actually when you're dealing with a situation like the one i did both did happen so some people were very very angry some people were very very concerned about me and mm. they were like how are you doing this must be mm. i was like you don't worry about me this is about you guys and and you mentioned another great point around you know, we come up conversations often from a position of- yeah. and our emotional brain neuroscientifically proven, responds 24 times faster than our thinking brain. Yes. Mm-hmm. not responding to what's happening. We're responding to what we've made it mean. And so are they. <laughs> but what we've made it mean and what they make it mean are very often very different. And there's a great book that I highly recommend to to anybody, anybody in life, if I'm honest, not even it's just in leadership. It's called Crucial Conversations. And it talks about the fact that in life, uh, and, and in mm-hmm. business, there are moments when a conversation becomes crucial, and what they mean yeah. by that is this, some emotion. One or both of you is feeling fearful—fearful fearful of being made to look wrong, fearful of being made to look stupid, fearful of being sold to. It doesn't matter what it is, fearful. And they take you through five steps, and they're so invaluable. They are so. Yeah. The first one is to share some vulnerability. So when you're having a conversation that you know is going to be a bit like that, share some vulnerability. You know, I'll sometimes um you know say to people, I'd really I'd really rather be anywhere in the world than having this conversation. Um, because genuinely often that's how I feel. Because they don't yeah. know I'm not doing it because I'm on the attack. Yeah. About it too. So I'm really yeah, I'd really rather be anywhere else than having this conversation. But I need to have it because you're currently getting in your own way. Um and I want to see you succeed so so i've done the first bit I, 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 I don't i'm not doing this one on the attack i'm doing it because the only person in the room usually that doesn't know they're underperforming is the underperformer everybody else talks about it it's the best kept secret it's it's like, no because we're all too uncomfortable to tell them so sharing that and then the third one and for, for me this one's always been the killer is i'm a hundred percent committed to finding a solution that works for both of us. yeah. The reason why that's such an invaluable statement is now whatever comes after that, whatever solution you come up with, if they go, well, that's not going to work for me, it's it's okay, because let's go back to our intention. Our intention is to find a solution that works for both of us. So on that basis, mine didn't work, tell me yours. And and then if they tell you one that's not going to work for you, you can go, I know that we're committed to finding a solution that doesn't work, that works for both of us. This one wouldn't work for me. Yeah. So we're now down here in fact, not up here in emotion, which allows us to actually find that better space. And then you start to agree on the commonalities. Uh-huh. So parts of it, they absolutely would work for me. And those parts of it would work for you. Great. So now the problem's not this big. The problem's getting smaller. But what we're also doing is we're demonstrating. Our commonalities as people. Yeah. We're not in agreement. We're not in conflict. And that allows us to agree the way forward. Um, And that has worked in so many situations in my life that I always love to share with people because I wish wish I'd known it sooner. Yeah. Yeah. When you give somebody constructive feedback, uh, and hopefully the the leaders listening will, will, this will resonate. The first thing people do is defend what they were trying to do yeah so you end up in this ridiculous conversation where you want to tell them what they didn't do and they defend what they were trying to do right yeah mm-hmm. forward so what I've learned as a, as a leader again from running very difficult challenges is I start all constructive feedback with agreeing what I think they were trying to do first ah. so I'll start up I go I think what you were trying to do is achieve x y and z and I think you were trying to be a whatever it is trying to be a great team member trying to achieve the goal trying to do your part am i right and they'll be like yeah exactly brilliant that's exactly what i want you to do which is fantastic news do you mind if i share with you some feedback about where you're getting in your own way so now i'm not under attack they know uh-huh. i think uh-huh. now I know to do the right thing so now I'm their ally to achieve the goal that we've just agreed was the right goal. Yeah, of course, yeah. of course I'll listen to it. Yeah. Because I've not got to defend who I am and what I'm doing because you already understood that. I've just made a mistake and I'm a human being. That's okay. Yeah. But I think it's just for you to think I wasn't doing the right thing. I didn't want you to think I was a bad person. I didn't want you to think I was a, a useless employee. Well, I don't I think you made a mistake. Yeah, um, I think, you know, just swapping those things around is so impactful, not only for you, but for the person that you're helping, because they're in a place where they're able to listen.
0: Yeah, it's really great, Kim Adele. When you've got that difficult message to share, it's about them, right? And share vulnerability, right? Open yourself up, because we're going to be inviting them to be vulnerable, I love this, like agree on what they were trying to do, acknowledge their good intentions, right? And then we, then we share the intention for the conversation, 100% committed to finding a solution that works for both of us. Okay. We're both in this now, right? It's not like positioning people against one another. We're going to operate together and figure this out. Kim, thank you for your time today. This. Recording has been peppered with fantastic uh, practical advice and concepts to keep in mind as we're navigating difficult waters, which we often need to do as leaders. So thank you for
1: sharing from your experience. Oh, thank you so much, Phil, for having me and for being so patient with me as I tell my story, which I hope has been helpful. Very helpful. I appreciate you. Thank you, Kim Adele.
0: Thank you you for listening to the Courage of a Leader podcast. If you'd like to further explore this episode's topic, please reach out to me through the Courage of a Leader website at www.courageofaleader.com. I'd love to hear from you. Please take the time to leave a review on iTunes. That helps us expand our reach and get more people fully stepping into their leadership potential. Until next time, be bold and be brave because you've got the courage of a leader.